Hello and welcome to Restoration Church's teaching podcast. We are in Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss and I'm one of the team members here. And uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you could tune in. Will you please take a moment just to grab your Bible and we are going to dive in together. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Um, Today's a really special Sunday. If you've noticed, if you've been around for a while, um, you notice that Landon and Ron are not here. They're both gone today. And as we are planning, as we go through our teaching calendar and we you know, plan weeks in advance, normally in a lot of churches, that's an, a liability. When your two main leaders and your two main teachers are gone and they said, no, that's an asset for us here at Restoration Church. Jeremy, you're up. Not because I'm a great communicator. That's, you guys know me. I'm not that. It's because we, as a people who, we talk about often about the church being a people who, not a place where. And as a part of being a people who, it's on all of us to lead each other. And we have some amazing leaders in this church. I think about right now, back in our kids, there's an amazing group of people that are loving on our kids. They're teaching, they're pastoring our kids. I think about throughout the week for our youth, there are adults that come together that are doing life with with kids and youth, and they're just trying to pour into them and love them, and they're pastoring their kids. I think about... um, our practice groups that we have on occasion, all the leaders and facilitators in those groups, they're diving into hard subjects. They're, they're leading and they're sharing their heart and they're pastoring us. And that's the beautiful thing about being a part of the people who is we're not reliant on the professional Christians. And if you think that Landon and Ron and Nate and I are professional Christians, you're all wrong. We are not. We are just normal people trying to pursue and trust Jesus always no matter the moment just so happens in this moment we've been called to lead the institution church or the institution of Restoration Church. But today, it's kind of like daddy giving me the keys to the car. So we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of fun. You remember when you were 16, the first time your dad or your mom gave you the keys to the car? What was that like? I remember for me, my dad was like, okay, here you go. You're gonna go I was going to go out with some friends. He's like, okay, this is how it's going to go down. You're going to go from here to there and from there to here. There's no in-betweens. You're going to go down these streets. Remember your safety, you're not, you know, your curfew and all those things. And he knew as a dad that it was going to go one of two ways. I was either going to be a rule follower or I was going to be a rule breaker. And as a dad of five, I have two now that are driving. I remember those times where it's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. And you do this whole speech. And so we're going to have a little fun. So tell me this. Remember back for the first time that you took your family car, your own car by yourself who are the rule followers? Two, three, four, five. Wow, y'all, we are terrible. We're a bunch of rule breakers. Hey, that was a rule breaker. But this is good. We're getting to know each other. We, we've, just, we've just started a relationship. I know that Robert was a rule breaker. He didn't raise his hand as a rule follower. I've got you pegged, bro. Sorry. This is good. This is being, we're starting community. We're starting a relationship. As a people who, we are created to be in community together. We were created to do life together and to share our stories and to live into each other's stories. And a few weeks ago, as we were actually the same week we were, we were prepping for this, Grace, my wife and I, we got to go out to um, a birthday dinner with a friend of ours. There was five couples in total, and we got to have a nice dinner and share stories and all the things. And after dinner, we all came over to our house, and we're sitting around the fire and enjoying s'mores and root beer. And, and one of our friends just casually asked, not prompted, she said, hey, what's, what's everybody's church story? We all kind of looked around the room, and we all go to church, some to this church, some to other churches, and we got to thinking about it, and yes, we all had a church story. One of our friends, he 
grew up in the Catholic church in the, and going to a Catholic school. And he talked about, I think it was in second grade, learning about how to do confession and what they, the lessons leading up to confession and his first confession. And he, he re, was telling the story that as he was going into his first confession, he realized he had to tell the truth. He was like, there's no way I can go tell this guy the truth. And he goes, I lied the first confession. He goes, and I lied every confession they're following. And I was like, okay, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't be honest. Another friend of ours was talking about leading a, a small group in their church and diving into hard, hard topics and, and being honest and then being called into the, the pastor's office and said, you guys are being too honest. We're going to ask you to leave the church. And you look at the two different dynamics and they're kind of fun and they're kind of not, but the reality is we all have a church story. Whether this is your first time here or if you've been in church your whole life, you have a story. So if you have your Bibles, looking at Matthew 22, I want to dive into this for just a second. Um, let's just start here. Verse 30, chapter 22, verse 34, it says this. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. Let's stop for a second and backtrack. So this is a time in Jesus' ministry that he's going around with the 12, with the disciples, and they're, they're doing all the great things. And there's two groups um, of religious leaders that we read about right here, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they have a differing opinion on how their faith goes. The Pharisees were all about the law, the, the oral law, and they passed it down generationally, and they made 600 laws in addition to the Ten Commandments. And then the Sadducees were a little bit different. They didn't believe in the oral law, and they thought about that the only proper way it was to be in the temple and worship in the temple, whereas the Pharisees worshiped in synagogues around kind of like churches like we do today. And so it was a very appropriate for the Pharisees in this moment that Jesus had just got done doing a thing with the Sadducees and silenced them. And so the Pharisees were like, yes, this is our chance to be right. And so one of the smart ones, as we continue to read um, in verse 35, is one of them says, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. He says, teacher, talking to Jesus, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus replied, he said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you've been around the church for a while, we've, you've probably heard that before. And it's easy just to say, yeah, love God, love others. Yeah, yeah, that's just how we do it, and then we move on. But Jesus didn't just say, yeah, yeah, love God, love others, and move on. He, he kept going. He said in verse 40, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Some translations say everything hangs on these two commands. So why would Jesus say that? Because how we love matters. When I think about my church story and my friends' church stories, they experienced different ways of being loved by men. And often as a church, often as the people who, we miss this. Oftentimes, we, the church, stand in the way or we prevent people from seeing Jesus, from getting to know Jesus, from being able to trust Jesus. And I don't say that as judgment or to condemn us, but to encourage us today that we may have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to feel, feel as we are the church. And today we're going to get to hear some really cool church stories. So I'm going to ask Ben and Danita to start making their way up. They're going to share a little bit about their church story, their church experience.
And they come from two different places. Ben is going to speak uh, from a place of church leadership. And it's going to be really cool and, and, and impactful. Danae's going to talk about her story coming from just at, growing up in the church. Um, being a preacher's kid. Um, let's see what else. Oh, being in worship and traveling with your parents and, and all the things. And so we're going to walk through a couple of questions together. And we've talked about this, and I've got another story, and I would just want to encourage you, if you don't know the people's stories around you, get to know them, because they're impactful. So let me start with you, Danae. How did your church story begin? Pretty much was born into the church. When I was four years old, my father took us all to Poughkeepsie, New York, and uh, pioneered to start a church there. It was probably the best uh, years of my life. Um, our family was the closest. We all did everything together. We door knocked and outreached together. We sang together. We did. Um, it was, um, yeah, definitely was when we were the closest. We moved here in 96 for my dad to take over um, as the worship pastor for a very large church. Um, they have thousands of churches all over the world, um, very evangelical, and... Um, that's when um, it just became very much um, all about the church all the time, and us kids kind of got left to the wayside because there was just so much for my parents to be involved in and for them to do. Um, got married very young, kind of just wanting to do my own thing, and was finally, I was a very compliant child. So when I turned 18, it was like, okay, I have listened to you for 18 years. I've done everything you've asked me to do, like down to the, you know, the line, yeah. and it's my turn. And so I got married right out of high school. It was a disaster. Um, ended up getting divorced at 27, um, and then didn't come back to church for four years. It took me four years to um, uh, go back to a church because of everything that happened um, in that 27 years. Wow. So dive into that. What was that? turning point for you in your church journey there, just in your story? That brought me back into no, the, church? The, maybe the, the first part of taking you away, and then what brought you back? Uh, how do I say this really nicely? <laughs> um, I was told I was no longer welcome. I, when I was going through a divorce, I was... Um, yeah, I was told that it wasn't acceptable and, um, per their rules and guidelines. And so um, I was no longer welcome. And so that was really hard for me because the God that I had served all those years, the God that I've been praying to, that I had been like in a relationship with, I knew that's not, that, was, that wasn't right. That just didn't sit well with me. And um, no matter who I talked to or who I reached out to, it was the same from everyone. And that is what caused me to not even step foot in a church because I thought, if this is how they all are, like, I just don't fit in. Like, there's just no way. I, I always believed that God was loving no matter what. Like, he just loved me no matter what. And I felt that. But what I was feeling and what I was being taught and told was didn't align, and so um, that's when I was like, I need to like really rethink a lot of this. And and I didn't it wasn't like I was out sinning for four right. years. I just um, just was not able to go back into um, a church where they were going to tell me what to do, and they were going to I guess put a lot of pressure on me for things. And and um, I wanted to be able to hear from God and, and on my own. I wanted them to 
trust that I had a relationship with Jesus and that I was speaking to him. And he was very much dealing with me and, um, and be allowed to walk freely in my own relationship with Jesus. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being just vulnerable in that. So what, where are you at now, would you say, with church? It is a totally different. <laughs> it's so different. I remember walking in those doors. Um, I don't even remember. I think maybe Whitney or someone posted something on um, a couple times on social media. And I was like, okay, all right. I should probably go. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, he had even, he knew me when I was married. Uh, we'd worked together. Um, and so he encouraged me to actually go back to church. And he was like, I can tell something's really missing. And I was like, what? Like, how dare you? You know? <laughs> Nothing is missing. I'm perfect. So um, uh, I ended up, you know, kind of thinking, okay, I need to go back to church. Like, obviously, like, I can feel it. I, you know, I can't deny that I need to be in relation with other people who are like-minded and um, who I can just, you know, like Nate always likes to say, link shields with, you know, kind of thing. And, and so um, I walked through those doors, and that was the first thing I saw was broken stories becoming beautiful. And I thought, ah, I belong here. I'm such a broken story right now. <laughs> and um, I, I am just, I don't even remember what was teached or whatever, but I felt like God, just the presence of God was like, this is where I want you to stay. And, and you know, there was a shift in the church about maybe two years after that. And I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I, I've been here before. And God was like, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right where you're at. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay. And so just, golly, just the amount of things that I've learned and the people that I've met and the relationships that I've been able to forge have been 27 years in one church and four years in this one have, it's night and day. You can't, I can't even compare it um, just to the freedom to be able to be who Christ has made me to be, um, to be able to speak boldly about my past, to not be ashamed of it, to um, walk freely knowing that Jesus forgives me, that he loves me no matter what. It's, um, yeah, it's totally transformative for me. I love it. I'm, I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you didn't go away because you're such an... Yeah, come on, seriously. Because you're such an important part of our team. And just to hear, like this morning, you shared your heart about the song and struggles and the things and you can be real and you are real and how you lead through that is really amazing. So thank you for, one, listening to God, but also doing that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Ben, let's take a little bit of a shift. How did your church journey begin? Um, I grew up in church, same thing. Um, so uh, my parents took me, I think, uh, I was commenting, I think my grandma was the reason we went to church. My parents weren't really all that into it, but grandma was kind of like strong uh, matriarch, I guess you'd say, and drew us there. And uh, I was into it. I accepted Christ when I was five and grew up in youth group and everything. And, um, you know, kind of one of those, like, I think my home life church was that thing you did on Sunday. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't like maybe a pastor's kid who was drugged to everything. We went on Sundays. Um, and, but, but God was still real in my life. And then uh, when I was in, my, uh, like, seventh grade, my parents separated and uh, we went to live with my aunt and uncle in Texas. And when I came back, my dad was attending a church uh, in Prescott. And uh, so I started going there on Wednesday nights. And that's where I met my wife, Cassie, and, uh, at youth group. And uh, we went to that church for, 
I think like 20 something years. Um, and so yeah, just kind of a fairly positive church experience that was fairly normal American, go to church on Sundays and, you know, yeah. try to live a good Christian life kind of thing. Yeah. So then what was your turning point? Because your story changes mm-hmm. directions. Yeah. So um, the church that I was in for those 20 something years um, ha- had lots of struggles in different areas that I didn't know about until at one point I was asked to uh, to become involved with leadership there and become a deacon slash elder or whatever at that church. And so when I got into that position, uh, I realized how unhealthy the church was and how much was going on. Um, There's a lot of pastors that got chewed up and spit out over the course of the time we were there. Um, And uh, so in that time, I just started to realize like that, uh, you know, you could sit in the seats and think that the production on Sunday was fine, but that um, really behind the scenes, people's lives were being crushed um, and destroyed, and the church was just this, like, Jerry Springer family um, that <laughs> you probably want nothing to do with if, if it was laid out there for you. So, um, and, and it also really hit me that um, some of that pain and hurt was created by the fact that church on Sunday was a production, um, and that there was a high emphasis put on trying to produce a quality production for the people in the audience, um, which maybe we'll get to at a later question. Uh, well, I don't think that's the right way to go. So, <laughs> Great segue, actually. Yeah. Uh, so where are you at with, with church today? This is actually fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I ended up going through some stuff with that church, and I, I left that church to go be a part of a little home church where I got to experience pretty good organic, like, small um, I think maybe what God intended family like body unity uh, for a little while, about three years. And, um, and then now I'm here, that church just kind of did its thing, had its time, its season, and it kind of went away. And so then we found restoration. Um, and I would say like, I'm at a place of understanding that really, and this might sound really bad, and they think they cringed the first time I said that, but I don't so much need the production up here. I don't want to say I don't need this Sunday service, but I don't need the production up here. Um, I, I look at church like God tells us to put on the whole armor of God, right? So we're, we're soldiers, we're warriors, we're going out there and we're battling day to day. To me, Sunday church is the locker room. It's where you can come back together with your teammates, your fellow soldiers, um, and get rejuvenated. You can, you can get pumped back up to go back out. Um, but that doesn't mean that I come here on Sunday and I expect who's on the stage to pump me up and go back out. I change my focus. I'm not in battle anymore on Sunday, but I am going, I'm, I'm an older soldier who needs to tend to the wounded other soldiers who are coming in. Or if I see that new soldier who's coming in and he's scared, I can show him my scars and tell him my battle stories and be like, it's totally worth it, bro. If you ever need me to come alongside you and fight with you, I'm here for you. Um, so... Uh, I just see church as like a pep talk in a sense, but at the same time, it's a place where we can come together, find each other who are like-minded, like you said, um, link arms um, and be ready to go back out and, and even patch up wounds and stuff like that on Sundays. Um, obviously, the one day is kind of just a metaphor. It's not like that all happens here, but this is where we make our time of like recouping and, and getting re- prepared again. So I see church from a different point of view. It's not just coming and putting in my Sunday, uh, you know. Whatever. Checking a box, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I love it. 
As we were preparing and just processing and just thinking about today, we kind of kept coming back to a, a phrase or a sentence or a partial sentence, whatever it said. I, what, um, what I wish the church knew either then or now. Because sometimes I feel like, like the church, we're often misunderstood. Or like you said, it's not so much about this, it's really more about that. So what, if you could answer or add on to your, your version of that, Danae, what would you, how would you finish that? What I wish the church knew then and or now. One thing I was never really taught was that Jesus loves me no matter what. Good. I was, as much as we were taught it wasn't about works, it was definitely about works. <laughs> all the things we had to be involved in, all the things we had to do, and it was never good enough. I felt like we were all, I was always falling short, and um, it was exhausting uh, to the point where I didn't even have the capacity to be able to, like, speak to people or, like, to just really have community with people, because I was just exhausted by all of the involvement I had like things I'd be involved in, and just to be in ministry. Um, yeah, so if I had just known, I always felt that, but because it wasn't um, preached, I didn't, um, I thought that it was wrong, yeah. that I felt like Jesus loved me no matter what. Like, I'm going to fall short. I mean, the Bible says that. We've all fallen short. The glory of God, like, I, why can't, like, I just couldn't comprehend the, um, yeah, what was being taught and what God was really putting on my heart. And I'm not saying like always am I correct and things, and you know, God does <laughs> speak to me, but there are times when I, you know, um, I do, you know, kind of get a little offhand, but um, definitely that's something that I try to teach my kids now is that you are loved no matter what. Just, you know, keep coming to the cross. Mm. That's it. Awesome. Thank you for that. Ben, how would, you, how would you finish that? What I wish the church knew then or now. If it's okay, I'm going to cheat and yeah. read something out of my Bible. Um, I really feel like Romans 12 uh, brings us all together. So if you get a chance, read the whole chapter of Romans 12. Um, they're not having me teach a sermon today, so I can't go through the whole thing. <laughs> but I'll, I'll future, hit a couple future. points. Yeah. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, so we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And then it goes um, down a little bit later, and it says, we are having gifts that differ according to the grace God has given us to let us use them. And then it goes throughout and kind of talks about what that looks like. But um, I think my takeaway is that Landon says this all the time. You know, the church is not a building, but a people who, um, and it seems kind of catchphrasy, but the reality of it is, is like if church is just, this Sunday where people sit and watch what's done up here, then it has no more power or efficacy than like a play or, you know, a band and a speaker. Um, really, church is us, right? It's all of the people out there. And um, in the past where I've seen church be detrimental and hurting, it was because people in the, in the audience expected to receive their ticket prices worth um, of production on Sunday and get, get a show that made them feel good about themselves and go out. And then when I've seen, and it, and it ended up crushing, I think, the people that were in leadership because 
God designed it to where each of us has gifts, right? There's no way you're going to hire two or three men or whatever to come up here and have all the gifts that serve all the people all the time. They can't, they can't handle that burden. Um, it's too heavy for them. And so what I, I came to realize through all that, especially going into that season with that small little church, is like it's so much better when everybody uses their gifts, and you all have a purpose and you all have a gift that's needed for the body. If you're not using it, then you're like that broke finger or whatever that's just making it to where you can't use the whole hand. Um, and so my encouragement to the church to, to kind of say, this is what I've learned, is like if you aren't using your gifts and being an active part of the body for God's kingdom um, in the church and out of it, um, then you're kind of like a lame body part that's, you know, you're actually causing hurt to the rest of the body, so... Awesome. Thank you for that. A couple of disclaimers real quick. One is Restoration Church, we, we don't have it all figured out. Unless you do, then you weren't telling me. But no, we don't have it figured out. And we're not trying to say that this is better than or we are better than any other church in town. No, this is the, our heart to be a place where restoration happens, where where we can seek God, where we can be ourselves, where we can use our gifts. So many places are, uh, you can't. And so thank you guys just for sharing uh, your stories. And just as we, we wrap up, one other thought before I get too far is we don't wanna focus on the negative. The church is good. When you're in community with each other, this is good. When you're doing life together, you often hear us talk about going through the everyday stuff of life. When we're doing that together, that's being the church, and it is good. When we get in the way and we stop realizing how love matters or how we love matters, that's when we start to, to have issues. And so I wanna, I wanna close with this, and you guys just stay up here for a second. Psalm 139, if you've been around, you're probably familiar with it, talking about, this is David writing, just declaring just like how much God is in tune with him. And just starts with this in verse one, it says, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty and I'm unable to reach it. I love what you said, Danae, that Jesus loves you no matter what. That's what David is saying right there is God knows you. He knows everything about us. You can't do that if you don't love somebody. If you're not in relationship with somebody, if you didn't craft them special, there's no way to know that. And so just to, to, to live in that, and it, and it continues down in, in verse 13, it says, for you, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Jesus loves you no matter what. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, in verse 16, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. And so when I take those, those, two, those two chunks there and I put it together and look around the room and I look at my friend Ben and, and Danae and just, God didn't create us just for the sake of creating something. There's purpose there. 
And I was just thinking about as we were talking this last week, like an artist, and I'm the least artsy person probably in this room, but if I was to go create something, it wouldn't just be creating something just for the sake of creating it. It's created on purpose. It's, it's, as an artist, it's probably gonna convey some kind of message. It's probably gonna convey something out of my heart. God did the same thing with each one, each one of us. He created Ben uniquely. Goofy looking, but definitely uniquely. <laughs> just kidding, brother. I, had, I got paid to say that. It's good. Um, but no, you created uniquely in, in your heart for church and leading and understanding how we do this together is amazing. To know you were created uniquely and just to have God's given you a voice to sing and to worship and to lead people to him. And as Ben was talking about using our gifts, and I look around the room and, and I don't know everybody here, but I know that God has created each one of us, each one of you on purpose and for purpose. And I know that if this is your first time here, if you've been in church forever, that you have a story. You have a church story, and it may be all positive, and it may, there may be some seasons where it's not all positive. But knowing that God loves us no matter what, in every season and every moment, that has some weight. And so my challenge for us today is to embrace the statement, how we love matters. Because it does as the church, as the people who, if we're gonna really embrace being a people who, instead of just this building, how we love matters. If I go out tomorrow and I run into Corey and I'm a total jerk to him, that's, what's up with that? Does it, does it mean I'm gonna get it right every day? No, because I am imperfect and we are imperfect but consciously understanding that how we love matters. And as the church, it carries great weight, so much so that Jesus said, loving him and loving others, everything depends on that. And I think about the season we're in, just culturally, I think like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, how they argued back and forth about the different things and how easy it is for us to leave this building and argue back and forth about all sorts of different things. Pick, pick a topic, pick one. Pick a mask, a no mask. Pick a, a vaccine, a no vaccine. Pick a president or this guy. Or You, you know where I'm going. We, could, we can argue about all sorts of different things. But in those moments, are you showing God's love? And to me, that's one of the real litmus tests of, because we're gonna be tested in those different ways. We're gonna have differing opinions. I have differing opinions in both of Danae and Ben, I'm sure. But in those moments, how am I gonna love them? So that's our question today is, how are we gonna love? Because ultimately, how we love matters. Saying's right there in Romans 12 at the end, so. See, we planned it that way, we did. This is good, this is good. Hey, let, let's pray. God, I love you, I thank you for the day. I thank you for Ben, I thank you for Danae, I thank you for their stories. I thank you that they are part of your Story. I thank you that each person that's in this room is part of your story. That the Bible didn't end in Revelation and just stop, but it's continually being written. Um, your story, and, and just we thank you for that, God. We thank you for creating us so uniquely. We thank you for creating us with purpose and just on purpose that we aren't happenstance, we aren't accidents. God, that you love us always, no matter what, because you know us so deeply and so intimately. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to be afraid of that, Lord, that I can lean into you and that your arms are wide open and receiving us. 
in every single moment. God, I thank you that you're trustworthy in every moment. God, continue to bless our time of worship today, God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Ben, and thank you, Danae. You guys can jump off here if you want to. Like we do every week, we respond. We respond back to Jesus in a form of communion. And the elements are on each side of the, the, the stage here. And in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come up and, and share in the elements. But today we're gonna do something just a little bit different. Just thinking about Psalm 139, thinking about how God's created us uniquely, how he knows us so intimately, how he's created us on purpose, for a purpose that each of us have gifts. I wanna, I wanna challenge you, encourage you to gather in little groups, twos, threes, fours, fives, whatever's comfortable in your little area, and do three things as we practice and participate in communion today. The first is you group up, pray a blessing over each other. And that's not complicated, it's not weird, it's not hard, it's, it can be as simple as, Lord, I just pray, seek your blessing over whoever's sitting next to me. And the purpose is that is to recognize God's brilliant creation. Because I'm sure like you don't know everybody around you. So as you pray a blessing over one another, you'll be able to recognize God's brilliant creation sitting next to you. And then the second thing is to ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to feel this week as you embrace being a people who. And then thirdly, and probably most importantly is giving thanks for his body. The word says that the, the bread, the little wafer that's in as we break that, that represents his body, Jesus' body broken for us. And the grape juice represents his blood that was shed for us. And just as a reminder that we get to come to Jesus today and we get to join Jesus in being the church. And so as the, as the team plays and as they lead us, I just wanna invite you to come Take the elements as you see fit, group up together, and, um, and practice communion together. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, we are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And again, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. So glad that you were able to join us. And uh, if this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a little while and um, are still doing the online thing, I just wanna encourage you, go get plugged in. Um, restoration may not be the church for you and that's okay, but I wanna encourage you, go get plugged in with the local body. Is there a church in your area that you could trust and join and, and be a part of the body of Christ? There's something that is really valuable and important about journeying together with other people who are on the journey of practicing the way of Jesus. And so um, whatever that looks like, if restoration is a, a place that you could call home and you're in Prescott, Arizona, or in one of the quad cities in the area, we would love for you to join us. If not, I just really wanna encourage you, um, go get plugged into a local body. It's really, really valuable. Um, and I truly believe it is important for us on our journey of faith. And so um, again, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one 
who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.